it's kind of a song, actually, and um, it was the one Neil was reading. It's Psalm 91, and it was written by a particular person who didn't live a perfect life, but he was so confident of his ability to hear the Lord. He made plenty of mistakes in life, this guy David, but he loved the Lord, he loved the Father, and he was always wanting to hear his voice. He was always wanting to hear that, and he was, he was so enamored by the Father's love that he wrote these psalms, and he taught these psalms to his armies even, and they would stand in formation and they would shout these psalms, sometimes of joy and victory, sometimes of defeat, because hey, we go through that too, don't we? And these psalms have been left to us in the Bible. And that's what Neil was reading to you today. I'm going to read it again. This is Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. <coughs> now, a couple of unique things about how this is told. There's mention of tents in here and fortresses and ramparts and things. It tells you a little bit about the kind of people who would have heard this psalm when it was first sung or written. This is a people who camps in tents. They're used to wandering, because that was their story. You know, the Israelites come out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness for this huge amount of time. And they never were able to have a permanent building, a permanent house, permanent jobs. All they did was wander. But with the promise that the Lord was going to take them to a new place. He was going to take them to this promised land. And I think they understood it in two ways. It was a real place. It was a place where you could farm. You could have agriculture and sheep and cattle. But it was also 
a spiritual place, a place of, we might say, deliverance or salvation, delivered out of harm's way, out of the hands of enemies. Now we know for a fact that over the course of time, Israel and Judah were not permanent kingdoms, that Israelites strayed from their love of the Lord. But in this moment, and and he invites them back, by the way, and the Gentiles and everybody else, people who thought they may have been excluded from God's love, he invites in. But what David says here in this psalm applies to us today. And the way I think that it applies, when I think about it, think about it. How do you think about the Father? You know, not all of us have had great experiences with fathers, have we? Not all of us have. And so it's difficult to think about earthly fathers sometimes. But if you could imagine the most perfect father in the whole world, in the whole cosmos... You know, I, I think to, uh, a friend of mine told me this story. He said, what, you know, what do you think the Father is like? And he said, you know, I have this picture in my head. It's like going into a massive throne room. And when you get to the first part of that throne room, there, there are angels. And you get to the next part, there are even more angels and more creatures praising God. And they're singing continually. And you go in and there are more and more angels and, and, and higher and higher up you go. And there is the king on his throne. But there's no barrier. There's no wall. There's no guard that separates the king from me. This is what my friend was saying. And you can imagine that these angels are singing. It tells us Revelation. They're singing of his praise, of his glory. And it's like, it's like we're listening to this this podcast for, with worship team and uh, Jeremy uh, Riddle describes it as like being stuck on the first word of holy for a thousand years. That's, that's how the love and the adoration of these angels for the king, that's how far it goes. And so you're entering this throne room and you're surrounded by this sound and you're surrounded by this sight. It's just glorious. And to see the father, the king, on his throne and you can approach and no one's going to stop you. So that's his image. And I love that image. But I have my own image. It may not be yours. But my image, it dates back to a memory. It's just a fleeting memory I had when I was a kid, probably three, four years old. And we were at home. And this is all I can remember. I just remember my, my father was there and he reaches down to embrace me in the way that you embrace a child that you love. He reaches down to embrace me in a way like he was about to pick me up almost. Then my feet almost get lifted off the ground and my head's pressed into his neck. And I have this memory of kind of the, the two-day stumble because I think it was the weekend and he hadn't shaved kind of rubbing against my face and the smell of his cologne and that kind of 1970s velour shirt that he had on which was really soft 
but it's very popular now. Trish, do you have any of those? I've got a few. I've got a few too. Secretly, we do, right? And I just remember that feeling. And as a child, you don't have words all the time to describe what it is that you're experiencing. But the word that I had in that moment was Father. Dad. When I think of my Father in Heaven, I think of that moment when He's going to reach down and embrace me. The beautiful thing about what David is saying here is that the Father's love is not limited to that day. You know, I often think about it like, you know, when this life is done, and I answer for the things that I've done, and my Father forgives me, He will scoop me up. But you know, the depth of the Father's love, the breadth of His heart, is actually deeper and more full than that. He wants to do that today. He wants you to have that feeling of being embraced to the point of your feet coming off the ground. Not many of us as adults have that feeling anymore. (laughs) But you will, and you can. There's no complex system of how this needs to work. There's no, just like in that throne room, there's no process. There's no kind of emissary that you need to meet with. There's no kind of test that you have to take. If you desire the Father's love, and oh, He desires you, by the way. He desires you in a way that is so jealous for you. Jealous in the way that He wants to protect you from the world. Jealous in the way that He wants to protect you from harm. He reaches down He desires you. And He desires your desire for Him. It ain't complex. It's what relationships are. You know, when you're in a really good, you know, you ever had a friend, a really close friend, and you shared something really tender with them. Really tender. And, and maybe you're worried about being judged. Maybe you're worried about what that friend is going to think. And instead of saying, well, why did you do that? They just give you a big hug. And they say, regardless of all of that, I love you. This is what your Father in Heaven desires in your life. 
And on some days, as rightly we do, we talk about the cross, we talk about the journey to the cross, we talk about the life of following Jesus, the importance of spreading the good news, all those kinds of things. And on some days we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to transform, the power of the Spirit to energize our lives, to challenge us, to bring people to faith, and that is right and good. But today we're going to talk about the Father's love. Because I want you to know there is no love in the world like the Father's love for you. There is no love in the world. If you think about all the amazing loves out there, if you go on Netflix, you can find many, many love stories that are told beautifully. You get get an idea. There's no love in the world that is as perfect as His love for you. Just take a minute. Think about that. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. His faithfulness. Not mine. There's quite a few days I just don't have faithfulness to get to the end of the day. Much less be faithful to God. And yet his faithfulness covers. Not just a toe or a finger, or an arm, or even a torso. This covering is total. He covers you in totality. He covers you without exclusion. And it's a permanent embrace. Now, we, there is a conversation about how we walk away from the Father. It happens. Sometimes we do it intentionally, sometimes we don't know what we're doing. But the nature of the Father's love is that He's always there desiring you. He's always there ready to scoop down and pick you up. And it's sometimes we, well it is us, who put a hand out and say no. No, I don't want that. I don't want your love today. I want to feel self-pity. I don't want your love today because I'm too enthralled in my own anger. I'm going to push you away, Father, because I'm hurt and I'm broken and I blame you deep down. I'm going to push you away because this other thing seems more fun. This other relationship seems more fun. I'm going to push you away because, well, it seems like everybody else is doing it. I'm going to push you away because I just have trouble believing that you are as good as you say you are. We all do it, some of us more than others. In my picture, 
It's on a loop. I need it on a loop. It's on a reel. Because I need it to play out time and again, over and over and over. That embrace has to keep coming. Till I surrender. You know, you can't be embraced if you put an arm out. You can't be embraced if you're protecting yourself, defending yourself. You can't be embraced if you're fighting. You gotta let your body go slack. You gotta give in. There's not a great deal of complexity to this, guys. Millions of pages of theology have been written about this and never quite nailed it down. Some of the most beautiful things have been said about this. But where you feel my description lacking, that's where the Father wants to step in. He wants to give you His picture of how He's your perfect Father. Rob's picture is not going to be good enough for you guys. He's got His own for you. He desires you. So why do we fight? Why keep on fighting? 